0: Let me kind of give you a little bit of background about not just Hamlet, but uh, but who, I well, guess kind of how we've come to know each other, and this will be brief, I promise, um, it feel right, no really, um, I actually, several years ago, called Hamlet and wanted to sit down with them, and we wanted to talk about when I was at New Covenant Church, Abby, that's a New Covenant story, so, uh, talk about trying to network with different churches, and we, we hooked up with Hamlet and sat down at his house, and had spaghetti and all that good stuff, and had a good time, and just through the course of time, our paths have kind of come back in contact. Um, if you don't know, Hamlet is a counselor here in town, uh, he's got an office here in Fayette, Um Christian Counseling, and has done a a lot of work with the recent stuff with Affinity and uh, helped with grief counseling in a lot of different places. So very active in the community. Hamlin has a heart for southern West Virginia. Um, He has a heart for the church. He has a heart for the Bible. He has a heart for families. And uh, really, really glad that God has brought us into this place where we're uh, rubbing shoulders consistently. And I believe God's got a blessing for us this morning. Hamlet's not Moon, the Moon's not Hamlet, so uh, styles are going to vary, but the Word is the same. I can I can promise you that the heart is there and that uh, Hamlet Smith loves the Word of God and that we'll be blessed by what he says this morning, so I didn't even get your letters like yes and stuff. So. Yeah. Who cares about all
1: that stuff anyway? Always needs a privilege. So, um, yeah, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I am... West Virginian, uh, grew up in Wayne County, West Virginia, the most western West Virginian you can be. I'm a West West Virginian Um, and uh, and I I love West Virginia and moved here probably 30 years ago and found a wife here in Southern West Virginia and just never have left. but I tell you that about myself so that I have permission to tell a joke. Because if you're not from West Virginia, you cannot tell a West Virginia joke. That's right. I just want to assure you, right. like, don't try it. We'll get mad. I promise. We'll get mad. We may, may look like we're not mad, but we'll be mad. So, uh, Bob Evans was having some trouble with um, Jabari Hines there. And, and uh, wasn't quite making the grade, and he told me he gonna fail the class. And um, you know, I went to the, uh, the uh, teacher and says, "Is there anything in the world I could do to you know, help him out and give him a test and give him an oral test? He doesn't read real well, and uh, just please, please." And the um, instructor agreed to this. So he brought him there, made sure he's there right on time, and the instructor, it's a math class, so the instructor said, listen, I'm going to give you a grade if you can answer this problem. What is 5 minus 3? Right, right for a minute, right for a minute. Of course, I was just sitting there just scared to death. I believe it's 2. Who's 2? Told the professor. Not going to say, oh please, give me without a checks. Give me without checks. <laughs> <laughs> um formulas. I want to just introduce the idea of formulas. Two plus two is four. Five minus three is two. Regardless of who knows that or not. There are a lot of formulas in the Bible, and there are a lot of things that we just gloss over in the Bible. Um, Capturing the byline, capturing the promise, but not looking to see what we need to do to get that promise. We claim every promise in the book is line. But we don't always look to see the background. One of the, I I believe, some of the most misquoted misapplied, misused verses are things like, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say those things a lot. We encourage each other with those verses. But I think I'd just like to encourage us this morning... To look at the context of those particular verses, those particular promises. And see what kind of prerequisites are embedded in Philippians chapter 4. So let's turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. What you're going to find here, what I'm going to tell you this morning is that there are four promises embedded in Philippians chapter 4. There are four promises. And each one of those promises, in my opinion, has some things that you need to do in order to get those promises. Let's read the first one. I'm going to start start with verse 4. Because I think that's where the context actually breaks there. He tells in this book that there's a couple of gals that weren't getting along, and he said, "Won't y'all please get along?" And I know you guys never have that problem here. Uh, people not getting along, but uh, if I was going to say anything to y'all about that, Yodia and Cynthia, come on, y'all, just get along, all right? And um, listen to Clement and all the rest of it. But anyway, okay, we're going to start. Verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again Rejoice Let your reasonableness Be known to everyone The Lord is at hand Do not be anxious about anything But in everything By prayer and supplication With thanksgiving Let your requests be made known to God And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Is there anything that this world needs right now more than peace? You see a lot of people peaceful. You see a lot of people relaxed. You see a lot of people agreeing with other people. Or when you turn on the, the uh, television, you see people arguing all the time. Never being get along. In our homes, do you see peace? Or do you just see constant strife and disagreement? peace of God. Where do you need the peace of God? You need the peace of God in two major places. Our hearts and our minds. Think of it like this. Your heart is where your loves are. If you looked inside my heart, you'd see a little tiny flying WV for instance. Because that's where my heart is. Um, It's just in there. I love it. That's, that's that's where that's that's your heart. What, what things do you love? And it's not what you say you love. It's what you really love. That's your heart. Your mind is a machine. Your mind is just you know like any other machine. It does work. It it tells you. For instance, I love I love um, vanilla ice cream. How many of y'all like vanilla ice cream? How many of y'all like chocolate? You can't retain it every time, though. <laughs> um, yeah, your mind tells you that vanilla tastes like this. It's got those little white um, specks. The good vanilla does. Little white bean specks. And that chocolate's got everything that they couldn't use for every, any other color, and <coughs> they that all in one thing and put chocolate black coloring you know, the brown color and cover up all those Im- Im- imperfections. But you know you 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 decide whether you like chocolate or vanilla and I think it's obviously John I think is right to like but you make that choice of which one you like in your heart. You understand the difference between them in your mind. Sometimes we have anxious hearts. We're not trusting God. We're not renewing we're not, we're our mind. We're not saying, God, you've got this thing. We've got a problem with our heart. And sometimes the problem's in our mind. You know, I, 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 I deal professionally, as, as you, you pointed out, um, with folks that have things like obsessive compulsive disorder. They've got a problem in their mind. It's not necessarily a problem in their heart. They're thinking, I gotta wash my hands. My hands are dirty. It's a malfunction, it's a misfiring in their mind. Cool the thing about this promise is he's got both of those things covered. Got, got the machine, got the way you think, the patterns of thinking, the habits that you've formed of thinking throughout your life, and your loves come under the Lordship of Christ in this passage. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, I could talk about this subject all day long because I love the subject. Um, not because I feel like I've done it all right or all straight, but because this is an important subject. But he's saying the peace of God, which you, I can't explain it to you, it surpasses all understanding. The smartest of us are corporate IQ is not going to be able to understand the way the peace of God can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can't take a PET scan and figure this out. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus, in the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, Jesus, the Savior. He saves. That's what Jesus means. So the peace of God doesn't that sound? I mean, that you know that product sells itself. I don't. I don't need to sell that product. I mean, who doesn't want the peace of God? You want that? I want that. I want it to guard my heart the things that I love, the things that I get involved in. And I want it to guard my mind. I want it to inform the way I think about the world, inform the way I think about how life is coming on, the way I think about how trials come into my life. And trials come, what, what do I do? How do I think that through? What rubrics do I use to, to kind of organize my thoughts? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. It's an easy sell. Let's look back up in the passage and say, how do you get this? Okay? Let's go to the, number one. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. I think this is a special one to Paul. You usually say what you want to say is most important up front. So he emphasizes this particular one out of this list, especially. He, he puts it up front. He tells you what it is. He gives a qualifier about how often you do that. Then he tells you that he's going to tell you about it again. And then he tells you again. And he really emphasizes this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And it doesn't say rejoice in the circumstances necessarily. Yeehaw, i got to travel my life. But he does say rejoice in the Lord. As I've experienced trials even recently, um, you know, I've been amazed. You know, they say the devil's in the details, and I guess maybe that's true, but I'll tell you what i found in some of the details of my trials have been the Lord. And he's magically, I mean, just magically brought people into my life to support me trials that, that I've been facing, and I'll tell you when that happens, it's like a great, big bear hug from God, it's beautiful, and I can hardly even tell you about it, because I know what I'm thinking about, and getting those bear hugs are pretty neat, if you don't have time for me to tell you all my problems or anything, or the trials that I've been facing, but when God's in God's in the details. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And and, and rejoice is kind of a word we've lost in our culture. Like a lot of other good words. We don't use it much. We don't use the word rejoice. But I mean, just think about it. Joy is right there in the middle. Over and over. Rejoice. You know, just breaking down things English wise. Just hear that. Joy over and over. God wants us to experience joy. And he wants us to experience joy in him. Not in things. They will never make us happy. I've tried. It doesn't work. It just just don't make you happy. But rejoicing in the Lord, you can find joy even in the midst of the storm. with the Lord. So the first one he identifies, I think maybe the most important one, Maybe not. Let's go on. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness. Does anybody else have an alternate translation? You know, I'm you it. I didn't ask what version you preach out of. Does it matter? I can put it on my computer. Uh, does anybody have an alternate word? King James, what uh, you Moderation. Moderation, yeah. Moderation. What about the NIV? have The NIV will tell you gentleness. So, somewhere between moderation, gentleness, reasonableness, are, is the word that they're after there. Somebody that's not extravagant, not given to extremes, but reasonable, moderate, gentle. And let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I think the. And you know, he says, to be evident to all. What does the King James say? Be
0: known to all men.
1: Be known to all men. Let your reasonableness be known to all. And then he. Kind of slides in. I, I always kind of saw, I, actually, I, to be honest with you, I spent years trying to figure out why he just threw that the Lord is at hand. Because <laughs> you know, I just felt like it doesn't relate to the rest of this verse. And I kind of worried about it and thought about it and wrote it down on a piece of paper and rewrote it on a piece of paper. Thought about it, prayed about it. why. Why is that in there? But it finally hit me after years of thinking about it. I'm not kidding. It finally hit me that when you say the Lord is at hand, how easy when you when you know that the Lord is here, the Lord is present, the Lord is active, the Lord this is His earth, this is Him, this is His deal, not ours, not our kingdom, not making sure we've got everything right, but it's His. When you got that, how easy is it to be reasonable, gentle? Moderate. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now he kind of gives a this next one. He kind of gives you a negative and a positive. So in the negative side of things, he says, "Do not." Do not be anxious about anything. I've got two D's in, in, in my life in um, school. Well, I've got that church music D at ABC, But I, I, I really feel like I should have had a But anyway, the two D's I got in high school were in typing and got one in grade school. So, I apologize. That's me. I hope you can read my writing if <laughs> you can't. That's a good C minus. Do not be anxious about anything, but anytime you see that word, that conjunction, know that you're contrasting something. But in everything, Let's listen to those everything, anything words. Pretty much cover it all. By prayer and petition. And yes, he says, supplication. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. So, prayer think of talking, asking, supplication, though, hear that word, that's a little more serious, that's a little more please, please, so, prayer and petition, prayer and supplication, sorry, that's the NIV word that's stuck in my head, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests remain known to God. God, in order for you to have peace, you need not only to not be anxious, but you need to pray and you need to beg and you need to plead with God about whatever it is in your life that you're struggling with. Everything, anything, do not be anxious about anything. And what is anxiety? Let's just talk about that just for a second. I like to tell people that anxiety is really a failure to make a decision. I don't know you guys have never trouble with that, but there are people that have trouble making decisions. Anxiety is, should I do this or should I do that? Should I do this or should I do that? And let me tell you something, it's about as effective in running a marathon race as rocking in a rocking chair because you're just... Pouring over all these scenarios in your mind. And a lot of times they're cataclysmic. You know, you're thinking, you know, if this happens, then that's going to happen. And you no, know, then that's going to happen. And this person's going to do that. And that person's going to do that. And then is going to have this and, and you're just like, you're sitting there staring. And your lights are on but like nobody's home. And you're just dwelling on this anxiety. And let me also illustrate. What's going on in your heart when you're doing that? What's going on in your heart is, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't get by like this. I just know that I've got to do something. Everybody's depending on me. I don't know how I'm going to face this. I don't know who's going to help me. I don't know. Let's contrast those words with somebody who's supplicating, somebody who's praying. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But I ask you, please rescue me. You are the one that's grown on high. I, I trust you. You can help me. You are the deliverer. What's the difference there? You see that? What's the spiritual difference? What's the heart change? Ah, ah, ah. You, you, you. I don't know if I can do this. I can't face this. This struggle is too hard for me. I can't. I don't know. I, 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 I. I. You can do this. You are able. I don't know if our God is going to deliver us or not, but you can bet your Bible and our oh King that God will deliver us from your hand. And He did. And I don't know that the three Hebrew children knew that God was going to pass them to the fire. And maybe He gave them a drink, drink the night before. But they spoke with confidence in God. And that's where confidence lies, if we're not anxious. And that's why He's saying anxiety is so destructive. It's so destructive because it narrows your world to you. Trust in God and supplication and prayer broadens your world to Him. This is His kingdom. This is His throne. This is His southern West Virginia. And He'll do with it whatever He wants to do. And I'll be here for a little while. And then... People will never remember Hamilton. How many years from now? People won't remember me or you. But God will be here. God of God stands forever. Why do we worry so much about our lives? Look at the look at the uh, flowers of the field. Solomon was not arrayed. Like these things. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, You want peace? Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again: rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness, your moderation be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, a prayer and petition, and I forgot this part. Sorry. What's that little clause right there? A little prepositional phrase. With thanksgiving, God. We have some confusion in Appalachia about not questioning God. I think a lot of people say things like you shouldn't question God, and while I think that's true on some level, I think you almost have to question God to get to the place where you need to understand that you don't question God. And I think that's what happened with Job. He worked through it in his mind by questioning, questioning, questioning. And then when God answered, he's like, whoa. I regret you. and in sackcloth and ashes. I put my hands over my mouth. I should not have said anything. So, yes, I think it's true that you shouldn't question God, but I think you have to question God to get there in your mind. I think it's okay to cry after to God and say, "God, why is this happening to me? Why are all these trials and struggles? Why, why, why? I don't understand." But just be ready to listen, because He'll answer you. He'll answer you. He'll answer you through His Word. He'll answer you through um, uh, words from friends or spiritual uh, mentors. He'll, he'll give you an answer. He'll give it you to you through children too. Gosh, my children teach us about well, more lessons than I care to learn. <laughs> Especially when you see them really doing exactly the same dumb stuff that you do. Why are you losing your temper? Stop that! That's what I not <laughs> <laughs> So, talk to God, ask God, beg Him, but make sure when you say, why are things going this way? Why, why is. Southern West Virginia's economy is so terrible. It affects so many people. Why why are we why are we um, unsafe in coal mines? Why are we um, why are we just regulating the swat out of everything so that we can't even, you know, so we're gonna use natural gas down the road. Why, why, why? I don't understand. Well God thank you. Thank you for the 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 dominion that you show in this earth. Thank you for the the job that I have. Thank you for the jobs that are in this area. Thank you for the good that are here. Thank you for the pockets of of, of believers who have continued to dedicate their heart to you. And I just said, I've killed the prophets. I'm the last one. I don't know what's going on in this same frenzy. I said, I believe, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he said there are still 7,000, if not 1,000, need to bail. I've reserved for myself. There are people here in southern West Virginia. There are people who love God. There are people who are wanting to follow God here in southern West Virginia. If you feel alone, it's good. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that you're wrong that you feel alone, but there are other people here. You need to remind yourself that. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. You know, thanksgiving is an antidote to fear. Thanksgiving is an antidote to despair. When you're you're tempted to despair, thanksgiving is an antidote to that. You pour just a little bit of thanksgiving in there, and it runs you to despair right out the back door. Peace of God. I'm talking too much. I need to move a little quicker here in this passage. I'm trying to get the four of these things, wasn't I? Uh, I rejoice to see you know, finally brothers. In, in verse 8, finally brothers. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace, the God who brings peace, will be. Be with you. God's presence and peace. What do you have to do to get that? You have to change the way you think. Change what you dwell on. If we use this list as a filter to keep out stuff that we shouldn't be thinking about, how many television programs? How many music songs that we sing or listen to would be cut out if you took them by this standard? How many conversations that we have, the jokes that we make, how many of them would just be eliminated by this filter? True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there to any excellence, If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Meditate on these things. I'm not going to make that list up here. Let me just show you this in this passage. Whatever you've learned from me, this is a Paul, the apostle to the church. His words are like scripture. Whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So if you think differently... And do differently, the God of peace. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking to be in need. For I have learned, in whatever situation I am, to be contented. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is the secret of being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me? This is the part we forget. This is the part we forget exiles from this passage and we just quote that verse. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. What's the secret? It's the secret in every situation. That's the virtue you've got to learn to be able to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You've got to learn His secret. That's the secret that He learned whether He was million dollar rich or whether He was hand them out for. The secret was contempt. I can do all things through Christ. He goes on, verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice pleasing to God. Again, you've got a conjunction. And conjunctions do what? They link things. Don't don't leave that out. Everybody quotes this verse, but they leave out the you know the three or four verses before that. Who does God supply the needs of? My God will supply. Who is that who are who are those people? The givers. The givers. You know, specifically, I don't know if we can I don't know if we can take this verse as ours anyway, and it's written in Philippians, but in a sense we are in the we're the church, we it's the same God. So I mean I, I think it's probably moves over to us. But listen to who he said that to. He said that to people, in fact, the only church. That was constantly looking after the needs of an apostle, constantly looking after the needs of a missionary, constantly looking at how they could help somebody else. That's specifically who this promises to. Be. I think you can probably generalize to us. If you're the kind of person that's constantly looking for how you can give to people, how you can provide for other people's needs, if you are that kind of giver, I think. And it doesn't say this particularly to you. I don't believe every promise in the book is mine, but I think it's the same God. I think it's this, you know, this is an epistle to the church, so I think it's very instructive for us. And I think that's what he's saying. People who are givers, people who want to give, who are concerned about the needs of others, especially maybe apostles. We don't have apostles now, but maybe that maybe that moves over to missionaries or church leaders. I don't know. But that's a, a hand of thought. But if you're looking after your pastor, if you're looking after missionaries, people who are engaged in bringing the Word of God to people, if you're engaged in giving and taking care of those people, I think that promise comes over to you. My God will supply all your need. And I think if you just pull these verses out, and just cherry pick the promises out of there without looking into the details of the Word in the, in the blooming obvious context that's there, I think you're doing a dangerous thing. And I think we do that a lot. I, mean, you know, I think our, our traditions are very bad to proof text things. We'll say things like, you know, we should have got the movie theaters. Isaiah 23 you read that verse and it's like, know oh, it doesn't say that. <laughs> um, but we said we make these kind of broad statements. Like, this is way it is. And we put a little tiny verse inside of it. That's a proof text. That's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Handle the word of God when you handle it. Handle it carefully. Handle it humbly. Handle it looking for what he says, not what we think. Don't look at it with your preconceived ideas. These are beautiful promises. Don't skip to just the promise. Dig into the Word and find out what has to be done. Two plus two is four. But you can't just say, I got four. You've got go to go the formula. You've got to follow the plan. You've got to um, listen to the Word of God and let it supply your thoughts and your attitudes, and your heart. Father, you're good. Your word is good. May we love it with all our hearts. May we study it. May we read it. May, may we not just get it with our minds. But may we say with David that your word about hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Maybe these kind of people. Father, um You've left us here on this earth. You've left us here in southern West Virginia. Um, But you've also provided this timeless truth from your word to instruct our steps. Father, may we not ignore this great salvation, this great rescue, this great story that you've unfolded from your word. To our God and Father be glory forever. May your glory cover the whole earth like water
0: covers the whole sea. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to take one second before we sing this last song. Something that they've done in Africa when we've been there before. And I won't do this to you guys. But you'll teach a message and they'll point to you and say, so you come up here and tell me what you want. And they'll do it to six or seven people. I just want to share with you quickly again what I learned today. I have been dealing, and some of y'all know, I've been dealing with some anxiety for two months now. It's really resting. And like a arrow and you know, a well-trained hand today. These words found my heart. Anxiety narrows your world to you. And thank you for that. Prayer broadens my world to a God who's bigger than anything that I could think of.